Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Welcome to the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy podcast. I'm Declan, the son. And I'm Jane, the mom. This is the podcast where we talk about brutal crimes, bizarre occurrences, and get you drunk with cocktails themed around one of our stories. To lighten things up, we'd like to end our time with a chaser. Please keep in mind some of our stories might be upsetting to young or sensitive ears. We love hearing from our listeners, so feel free to contact us by email or social media. You can find our contact info in the show notes for this episode. If you'd like to support us through Patreon, you can find us there at Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy Podcast, or use the link in our show notes. Hey there, fellow true crime aficionados. We're the host of Bad Axe, a true crime podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Aaron. Join us every Thursday for twisted true crime tales of dark deeds and despicable people. We focus on lesser-known, unique stories with a new case each week. We've covered family annihilators, cannibals, revenge killings, killer kids, mysterious murders, survivor stories, and much more. We've even tackled stories of people who blamed zombies, vampires, ghosts, and voodoo for their bad acts. Of course, we know they're the only ones to blame. You can find us everywhere you get your podcasts, or you can visit our website at badaxpod.com. If you like fresh stories and new perspectives on crime, Bad Axe will be your new jam. Join Bad Axe every Thursday. Stay safe, y'all. See you soon. Well, Declan, what story do you have uh, to tell us today? I'm going to be talking about Andre Hicks, also known as Mac Dre. Andre some Hicks, listeners, huh? Yeah, some listeners may be familiar okay. with his music. He's a really, really good rapper. But what are, you, what are you going to be telling us about today? Sorry, I fucking... Well, ooh. it's one of those days. It's all right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be talking about, well, in honor of this episode coming out right before Thanksgiving... I'm going to be talking about Plymouth, Massachusetts, which is where the first Thanksgiving was supposedly. It That's where it happened. So we're going to be talking about that. Um, before I get to the story and before I get to the drink, I just wanted to read a recent Apple podcast review that we had. So this is um, thoroughly enjoyable five stars. Call me an archaeologist because I'm digging this pod. The voices are easy to listen to, and I absolutely love the topics they cover. I thought so, too. Keep up the good work, guys, and hopefully we can get together for an episode. And that is from Natasha with the Red Rum Podcasters. So thank you, Natasha. And thanks to anyone who leaves us a fun little review on any of the platforms. We really appreciate it. So with that... Uh, I am going to get into the drink that I brought for this, and it's the Fall Harvest Cocktail in honor, again, of Thanksgiving. This cocktail is two ounces of pear vodka, four ounces of apple cider, splash of lemon-lime soda, two ounces of cranberry juice, and if you want to garnish your glass with candied sugar on the rim, go for it. I did not because I'm drinking through a straw and the candied rim would be a waste. But so the steps are to add vodka and cider to an ice filled shaker and to shake well. 
then pour into a tall ice-filled glass and top with soda and cranberry juice. And all of this shit I'm sounds ready. delicious. I think so too. <laughs> I am so excited juice, for this drink. Cider, seven up. Yes. Come on. And pear. Yeah. All right. You ready? Yep. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. That's dangerous. Oh, that I'm digging it needs to be served in a punch bowl. I think. I think you need to add a full bottle of every I, ingredient you said think into you... a giant bowl. Yeah. Um, With like a couple of uh, the dry ice so it bubbles in the bottom. Oh cool. yes. So, I pretty much just taste the apple cider. Like I don't really notice. I smell the pear, but I don't really taste the pear. I taste the apple cider. And it just, I oh, taste that is a, a lot really of apple good drink. cider too, but mm-hmm. I used my cran, cran mango cranberry juice instead oh, of normal yeah. cranberry juice. So, so you got a little mango-y. That, I feel like that adds a little kick into it that's really tasty. Oh, yeah. I would think so. You love that cran mango. If I, yeah. If you guys haven't tried that ocean spray cran mango, go get that shit at your store. It's mm-hmm. fucking delicious. Goes good with any drink except for tequila. I haven't found it's... too many good tequila recipes with that. No? Okay. No, it doesn't taste too great with it. Any well, other liquor I... tastes delicious. I like that drink. It's really good. Yeah. I would drink that again, and it's not that hard. It's not that complicated. So that's always a good thing, in my opinion. I didn't Easy have to squeeze any... Yeah, I didn't have to squeeze any juice for it. It was already in a bottle, so that's handy. As long as I don't have to make a syrup, I'm fine. Right. I don't want to yeah. make syrup. Sometimes you need to though, but I don't mind I've making simple syrup. Recently. I usually just make a big batch and then leave it in the fridge for a couple of weeks and it's fine. I used to have those like condiment bottles that mm-hmm. I would fill with simple syrup, but I lost the tops for them, so it's just the bottle oh. now and now I just don't make simple syrup anymore. Oh, that's a bummer. Because I'm not going to make a whole batch just for like a couple drinks. I don't right, have like that's a good true. way to save it. That's true. Are you ready to talk about Thanksgiving? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. So, Plymouth, Massachusetts is the oldest town in the New England region of the U.S., founded in December of 1620. It is often referred to as America's hometown because it was the first town founded by colonists, uh, commonly referred to as the Pilgrims. These were a group of Puritan separatists who left England aboard the Mayflower. The Mayflower was a ship measuring 100 feet and contained 30 crew members and 102 colonists. They ventured to a new world in an effort to make a new life in which they could practice the religion that they chose. While traveling over the Atlantic Ocean in the ship, the group wrote the Mayflower Compact, which were the rules of governance developed for their new colony. It was the first legal document of their new community, and it dictated how life would be governed. Of course, it was a new world to the English colonists. 
What's that? I was going to say real quick, mm-hmm. Puritans are crazy. Anyone who's read the Scarlet Letter knows Puritans are fucking nuts. Yeah, they're a little sure on the rough side. person who went to high school in the U.S. has read the Scarlet Letter, but right, Puritans I, are crazy. They, they, they had ideas and they were not going to waver from them and you better stick <laughs> to those ideas. Yeah. Yeah, not I personally not a fan of those kind of rigid mindsets, but that's just me. So the land was not empty of people when they got there. I think we all kind of know that. Um, and that is part of the hesitancy for people to currently, you know, everything is politically correct and you're not allowed to participate in Thanksgiving because it indicates that and you're supposed to, I don't know. I've always celebrated Thanksgiving. So that's what I'm going with. And the reality from what I was reading is, you know, bad things happened. I'm sorry for it, but yes, I didn't do it. Bad things happened. It wasn't me. It wasn't anyone from my family because we were over in Europe at the time. So, any excuse to eat a lot of food is a holiday. Hey, yes, I'm on board. If I can have two or three desserts, food is better. Yeah, Thanksgiving food sucks. No, you stop. I make some damn good Thanksgiving food, and you know it. I know, but turkey and yeah, Declan, cut that out. Um. Okay, so there was a Native American village at the location inhabited by the Patuxet uh, band of the Wampanoag tribe. That's who lived in Plymouth before it was called Plymouth. Um, It was the Patuxet band of the Wampanoag tribe. They had an established village, fields, and burial grounds. However, most of the Patuxet tribal members had died due to an epidemic, so much of the land was bare and ready for use. The colonists searched the area and found usable seeds that they intended to plant the following year. Unfortunately, some of those items that they found were in tribal burial grounds and inside of homes, so essentially they stole them. So, not cool. Not nice. Have but we talked about Roanoke? No, we have not. And we should. Okay. Yes, yes we definitely should. Yes. Because those are pilgrims. Yeah, basically. So um, the people whose property that was stolen, the tribal members who had the homes that had had their items stolen, they were compensated for their losses about six months later. So the pilgrims did pay them back and go, hey, our bad, we stole your shit. We're going to pay you for them. Uh, it was six months later, but they they did pay restitution, if you want to think about it that way. Members of the village uh, gave assistance to the new settlers and were crucial to the colonists having any success at living in their new environment. I don't think they could have done it without the Native Americans. Um, cause they didn't, they didn't have anything to plant. They didn't know where to plant it. They didn't know what they were doing. Um, you know, this was a completely new environment for them. So 
one particular Native American that has been noted as being helpful was named Tisquantum, commonly called Squanto. He was a member of the Patuxet tribe that had been kidnapped and sold into slavery in 1614. So years before they, the Mayflower made it to Plymouth Rock and to Plymouth, Tisquantum had been kidnapped, sold into slavery, and he was in Spain. One colonist um, decided to help him escape and helped him escape from slavery and returned him to his tribe in 1619. When the colonists arrived, the uh, chief Wampanoag, um, the chief of the tribe, um, his name was Massasoit, sent Squanto as an ambassador to help. So he was able to advise them on how to farm and fish and he taught them some useful and helpful skills um, that they would need to use to survive in their new environment. Like he taught them how to do controlled burns of fields so that it would allow them to plant in the field and then harvest it. Um, and he taught them basically the, the best way to plant like corn and squash and beans and, you know, all the things that was native that they were growing there already. He taught them how to plant those things in their area. He was crucial to their Squanto. survival. Yes. I've heard about him like a couple years ago and he's like a superhero pretty much. Yeah. I mean, he, if it weren't for him, I don't know that they would have survived. Uh, a lot of them didn't yeah, survive anyway. Like half of them died. He definitely helped a lot though. Yeah, he did. He did. So Chief Massasoit established a peace treaty with the Pilgrims, and after a successful harvest the following year in 1621, the Pilgrims and the Native Americans came together for the first Thanksgiving. The original Thanksgiving was considered a harvest celebration due to having a plentiful growing season, thus my fall harvest cocktail. However, it also was a day to be thankful for their survival because only half of the original 102 colonists were left. It was actually less than that. Only 50 people from that Mayflower survived the first winter in Plymouth. So the first Thanksgiving was also a time to mourn the loss of so many loved ones. Several of the remaining colonists would send word to England, encouraging others to join them in their new town. Which is kind of where shit started to go downhill, it sounds like. Because the... Newcomers um, that came in didn't quite respect everything the way it had been. So they brought in some different things, but um, it, it proved to be a little problematic and they didn't really honor that cooperative relationship as much. For example, in an effort to improve their farming capabilities, the subsequent rounds of immigrants brought domesticated animals that was supposed to help them with farming, making it easier, plowing and things like that. The new animals ended up causing drastic losses for the Native American farming efforts as the animals were unattended and left to eat the Native American crops. So the pilgrims put fencing around their crops. The Native Americans didn't do that. Nobody was tending to the, like the oxen or whatever that they brought over to help them. And it just ate everything basically that the Native Americans planted. So 
It's understandable if this led to a little bit of animosity between the Native Americans and the colonists. I mean, I wouldn't be super excited if a friend that I had helped out to survive just came in and fucked up all my shit the next year or two. So <laughs> their dog ate kinda... all your fucking food. Right. I'd be somehow broke off. into the refrigerator. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Historic buildings and monuments are located in several places around Plymouth. Plymouth Rock is a large boulder inscribed with 1620 to commemorate the founding of the town. It is housed on the waterfront, protected by the Plymouth Rock portico. So basically there's like a building that they built and it's housed like kind of underground with like a cover over the top of it so you can see it because people are trying to like It'd be really cool to have like a little chunk of Plymouth Rock and say, oh, I got Plymouth Rock. So vandals were, you know, trying to carve off chunks of it. So they put it in a safe space. Um, another thing, Plymouth Patuxet is a complex of living history museums formerly referred to as Plymouth Plantation. It is a replication of the original colony settlement with role-playing tour guides. So they have these, like, they have a village that is meant to look like the original settlement. And then they have people dressed up and pretending to be pilgrims. And so you can, like, go there and walk through it and see the stuff. And the people are there being pilgrims. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Personally, I don't think I would need to go see something like that because I don't super dig history but that's just me I think lots of people would find that interesting just probably not myself oh well the Mayflower 2 is a replica of the original Mayflower ship and is open for tours as a museum it is a functioning ship and takes tours out into the harbor regularly. So you can get on it and ride around on it for a little bit in the harbor and oh, see what thanks. it's like to be on the, yeah. I do Pilgrim. not want to ride you're not, on like a 300-year-old boat. <laughs> no, well, it's, it's not the original ship. It's a replica. I don't know when they built okay, it. Maybe I, then I'd go on it. It did I, say, so I was gonna say it like, did say when it was built, but I didn't write that down. I'm sure if anybody wants I mean, to see America when Mayflower was founded 2 was built. Like 250 years ago-ish. So it had to be well about this was years 16 old. 1620 was when they so 400 years ago was oh, when the Mayflower took the the trip across the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. I'm not riding on a 400-year-old boat either, but this is a replica. So, Pilgrim Hall Museum was originally built in 1824 and is the oldest museum that has continually operated in the U.S. Um, some Another interesting... So, Burial Hill is the final resting place of many of the original settlers, but it is not just a cemetery in the beginning. The area was also used prior to burial with the use of hanging trees. Those were trees where people were sentenced to death and they would be hanged from them. So I'm imagining it's probably easier to have your hanging tree next to where you're going to bury somebody. And you don't have to cart them across town. 
Um, Very true. So, yeah. All of this history has, of course, led to ghost stories and paranormal activity. So, multiple locations around town are rumored to be haunted. Burial Hill is one of the most commonly discussed places because not only are dead bodies buried there, but they were also hanging people there and causing a lot of trauma to those people before they died. Visitors have reported electronic equipment malfunctions like batteries and cameras draining quickly. Um, as well as static electricity has also been reported in this area, like hair on the top of people's heads standing on end all at the same time. Could you imagine that if you're standing like Weird. in a group of people and then everybody's hair just stands up on end? That'd be, oh, I don't think I would like that. Yeah, I'd, I'd leave. That's definitely yeah. it's time to get out. Yeah. The paranormal activity isn't isolated to electronics, though, and some reports seeing traditional Native American spirits called puckwudgies. So these are leprechaun-like creatures described as short in stature and covered in gray fur. They've been seen roaming around Burial Hill as well. They are known to be playful and curious. I don't think I want to see a gray furry leprechaun that's playful. So like a little hairy goblin? Yeah. Yep. That's weird. Ghosts are bad enough, but if you got a furry goblin ghost coming at you that's wanting to play, no I don't think thanks. I'm down for that. Nope. I'm not. A ghost hunter that has spent some time at Burial Hill reported that he has seen them and said that they look like a porcupine but can stand on two legs. A Native American spirit has also been seen at Burial Hill. He is described as wearing deerskin clothing with the ability to walk through lamp posts. So it's not just... What a weird description. Just lamp yeah. posts? You can't walk through yeah. walls or I know. anything Well, it's a, just lamp posts. It's a, it's a cemetery. There's probably not walls there. But they didn't say it didn't say anything about like walking through uh, trees, and we know there's trees there. So, I don't know. It specifically said lampposts. I thought that was interesting. Too. That's that's weird. Yeah. Another location that is commonly mentioned in ghost sightings is the Trask House. The Trask House was built in 1829 and was a museum of numerous Victorian-era furnishings. Visitors to the Trask House have reported lights flickering on and off, eerie sounds, and unexplained shadows. It is rumored to be one of the most haunted places in Plymouth. The business next door to the Trask House has also had its share of ghostly reports, ranging from knocking noises and items, moving around without explanation, to ghost cat sightings. There's a, there's a cat that apparently haunts this place too. Spooner House is another location rumored to have ghosts, but these ghosts are younger. The house is named after the family that owned it and lived there for over 200 years. Five generations of the Spooner family lived in the house, including a little girl who died in the home with an, from an abscessed tooth in the 1700s. Guests to the house report seeing a little girl. Yeah. 
It's not. That's a rough way to die. An abscessed tooth. Agreed. I had an abscessed tooth and I'm thankful that, you know, we have modern dentists and medication that didn't kill me from it. But try smoking a cigarette that might fix it. (laughs) They probably did back then. A medium who conducted a seance at the house uh, claimed that there were actually two spirits, two spirits that resided at the location, not just the little girl from the tooth. Another spot is the Winslow Warren house built in 1726 by general Winslow is a, it's another home reported to have ghosts and has um, it was the home of a direct descendant descendant of the Mayflower uh, colonists. Decades later, the home belonged to Patriots of the Revolutionary War, Mr. and Mrs. Warren, which is why it's called the Winslow Warren House. It's believed that many of the discussions surrounding the Revolutionary War took place in this home. The building is currently used for commercial businesses. And one of the business owners during a time of renovation reported seeing a man sitting on piles of lumber. So they were having the building renovated. There's a whole bunch of lumber. She's walking by and she sees a guy sitting on top of it. She could clearly see the man was not from the current time period. Upon seeing a picture of the original owner of the home, she confirmed it was the same man, General Winslow. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Because... You know, he was like, hey, what are you guys doing to my house? Okay, I'm going to check it out. So. Hmm. The ghosts in Plymouth are not confined to buildings, though. Ghost tour guides and guests have reported seeing various apparitions in the street and the cemetery, as I already mentioned. Some of them are a woman wearing a wedding dress to a young girl wearing a dress walking through an alley. And if you want to visit Plymouth and look for ghosts, there are different ghost tours that you can take. And they will walk you through the town and tell you lots and lots of spooky stories. You want to go to Plymouth? Going on a ghost tour in yeah. I think Louisiana is where I want to go on a ghost tour. I heard. Oh, I bet you we can find something there. I bet you there's some spooky stuff there. Yeah, but do we have to go back to New Orleans? Because. None of us liked that trip to New Orleans. It was yeah. a bad trip in general, but anyway. I think it'd be fun now that I can drink, though, because then we could go to that's a good a point. Bourbon Street or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You might enjoy it. Might enjoy it, as long as I don't get peed on again or whatever. Right, whatever, whatever that mystery that was. smelling substance that landed on your head. That was gross. I- Okay, let's talk about... Tell us your story. ...my brutal. Yes. Andre Lewis Hicks was born in Oakland, California on July 5th, 1970 to Alan Hicks and Wanda Salavato. Andre and his family moved to Vallejo, and uh, this is when Andre began his rap career. While he was still in high school, he dropped a record too hard for the fucking radio and immediately made a name for himself. 
He originally went with the name M.C. Dre, but later changed it to Mac Dre, claiming his original name sounded too East Coast-ish. I could see that. At age 21, Dre was on a road trip with friends to Fresno, California. He was with them to visit a girl that he had met at one of his concerts just a few weeks earlier. However, uh, his friends had a different plan. While Dre was at the hotel with the girl, uh, the people he road tripped with were casing a bank and later left uh, once they saw a news van pulling up into the parking lot of the bank. Oh my gosh. While they were... While they were heading back to Vallejo, their car became surrounded by police and FBI vehicles. Dre and his <laughs> oh, friends shit. Were... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dre and his friends were all arrested on conspiracy to commit bank robbery. After he refused a plea deal for the conspiracy charge, he was tried, convicted, and sentenced to five years in federal prison. The conviction oh, hinged on a gun linked to bank robberies found in his apartment months before his arrest, and a recording where he was heard saying, shoot out the surveillance cameras. Oh. Uh, so, uh, he yeah. said that? Yeah. But yet he didn't know that they were casing the bank in Fresno? He was in the hotel the whole time with his his girly friend, but... Oh. Yeah, so he served four years before getting out and continued his very promising rap career. Mac Dre moved to Arden Arcade area of Sacramento in 1989, uh, sorry, 1998, in an attempt to distance himself from Vallejo law enforcement. There, he founded his independent label, Fizz Entertainment which is currently managed by his mother, Wanda Salvato. On October 31st, 2004, Dre and several other artists were performing in Kansas City. They wrapped up their show and proceeded to hop in uh, Savino Davila's van. Davila was a 27-year-old man who prosecutors say was the head of a drug trafficking organization that brought in more than 330 pounds of cocaine into Kansas between 2000 and 2006. Oh. So, that is a lot of cocaine. How much did you say again? 330 pounds in six years. Okay, in reality, I suppose it's not that much. 330 pounds. That's just like an overweight person. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But Six years? I uh, mean, no cocaine is back good. In, I'm just saying. This is back in the 2000s. The so okay. It was probably. So Davilas was friends with Dre. And one of the artists uh, with him had agreed to handle all the transportation of the Californian artists while they were in town. So Davila was like, oh, we're friends. I'll just I'll cover all your transportation and stuff. The reason that uh, Dre and his artists were in town was for a concert. And uh, the concert was kind of a mess. It ended after security had shut it down due to safety concerns. A lot of people... Uh, so Mac Dre showed up about an hour late, and then everyone was kind of upset, and they tried to rest the stage, and security just shut it oh. down because it was too much of a safety concern. Yeah, that's not good. 
Dre was kind of fed up, so he told the driver to head to his hotel room. Dre was staying in a different hotel than the rest of the artists that came with him. So they had to stop at the Baymont Hotel where the rest of the people got out. And it was um, just Dre and the driver at this point. They left to go to Mac Dre's hotel. At around 2.30 a.m. on November 1st, the van was heading north on Highway 71 when a black sedan pulled up on the driver's side of the van. The sedan let out 30 shots from both a 45 <gasps> uh, pistol and a rifle. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. that's a lot. This caused, this caused the van to swerve and crash into a ditch where Mac Dre would be thrown from the van. Oh. One of the bullets hit Dre in the neck, which would lead to his death. Yeah. The driver got out of the car and noticed the black sedan speeding directly at him, so he ran. <gasps> He made his way back to the Belmont Hotel where he dropped off the other artists and asked the front desk to call the police. Uh, about an hour after the whole attack had occurred, um, the driver and the other artists made their way back to the highway to go find Dre's body. Oh my gosh. Police arrived nearly an hour after the crash and uh, they, were, they did like a search of the area and found Dre's mm -hmm. body. Uh, he had hit, like hit in a tree and he had gotten shot in the neck. So he'd broken his neck and mm. got shot in the neck. So he died oh, fairly fast. But... Wow. Yeah. They, they searched wow. his body and found his hotel key. And when they arrived at the hotel, they found several men in Dre's room rummaging through his suitcase. They told the men to stop and leave without properly questioning them. An anonymous tipster said he witnessed two men getting out of a crashed black Infiniti G35 sedan and get into a baby blue van and speed off. Police located the, the sedan and it was definitely the car they were looking for. It had multiple outward shooting bullet holes and multiple shell casing matching the ones found at the scene. So oh. they the forensics were able to tell that since the metal was curling outwards, the bullet came from inside the car mm -hmm. and it yeah, had scrapes sense. all over it from when it hit the van. Wow. The car was connected to a man named Calvert Antwine the second. And uh, he actually bragged in jail about being paid to kill Mac Dre. However, police were never able to prove this, and Mac Dre's murder remains unsolved to this day. Really? Oh, yeah, I was hoping but, you were going to tell me somebody went to jail for it. I mean, this guy, if anything, it's got to be Calvert Antoine II, because Infinity, used in the crime, matched his. Yeah. He, had, he was bragging about it in jail like every killer does for some reason yeah. they can't keep their mouth shut and keep your mouth shut people yeah it, it's gotta be that guy they, they just didn't have enough evidence to pin it on him so that's too bad it is Mactor is a really good artist I'm sure most people have listened like most people listening to this right now have heard a Mac Dre song probably didn't only... know 
Because, you know, I don't know rap music at all. Unless it's like uh, an iconic song, I'm not going to know. Music, though. Yeah, it probably. It's really. Uh, yeah, he's a very really famous artist. I'm sure you've heard some of it. And I don't know. I think everyone should go listen to a little bit. It's not like. It's not gross or anything. It's fairly clean. It's it's older rap, so it's not just like a bunch of curse words and shit. Yeah. Interesting. Wow, that's too bad that they didn't catch the person or at least, you know, there wasn't any resolution. Yeah. And I it, hate that and stuff. And it's weird because it's one thing, like, it, it could be in connection with the the drug trafficker guy because it was his van. So it could either be that or it could be someone yeah. who was actually paid to go shoot that True. guy. So. True. I don't know. Too many questions. Wow. Yeah. Do you have a chaser for us today? Yes. So my chaser is a movie recommendation. We looked and I don't think I've done this before. I feel like I have, but too bad if I already have. I'm going to do it anyways. But my chaser <laughs> is a watch recommendation for the movie Covenant. It's a movie We should about specify. The, uh... It's Guy Ritchie's okay. The Covenant. Okay. Yeah. Guy Ritchie's The, the only Covenant. Reason... Jake Gyllenhaal is the main character. Yes. The only reason I yes. specify He's that a... is because when Dad and I were watching it, he was asking why Guy Ritchie's name was in the title. And I looked it up and it said because there was a movie called The Covenant that was like from the 2000 somethings and they didn't want people getting it confused. So they put Guy Ritchie's name in it because he was the producer and everything. So, yeah, kind of a weird title. But if you look up The Covenant, it'll be. It- the one that came out in 2023. Right. But it's and with about Jake Gyllenhaal. All of the uh, translators who got left behind that were involved in like the Middle East war that was going on for. Right. In Iraq. Forever. And they just kind of got left behind. And now the Taliban is hunting them because they obviously helped Americans and not a lot of them got brought back over. So it's. Right. It's a super interesting take. And it's overall a good movie it's not really that sad like there's there's not it's not like saving private ryan or something but right it's a good watch it is it's a good movie i like it i would second that that uh chaser suggestion sometimes war movies can be a little rough to watch but this one's actually yeah i don't generally like them there was a lot of like the fighting stuff that i couldn't watch because it was just making me too anxious but the overall story mm-hmm. was really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I like Definitely it. Definitely worth a watch. So what's your chaser? For sure. My chaser is um, I saw an article recently that Tesla is making a drive-in movie theater in the LA area. So mm-hmm. they are 
Yeah, it's kind of cool. They're building a charging station with 30 rapid chargers. And it's going to have a movie, a drive-in movie theater and an outdoor dining facility so that when you go and you have to spend hours of your day waiting for your car to charge for those electric vehicles, that you have movies to watch. And I thought at first I was like, oh, this is a really cool idea. But then I realized everybody shows up at different times. Like you don't plan to the hour or the minute when you're going to go charge your vehicle. So you're going to end up showing up mid movie, which is going to kind of suck. I think it said that there were going to be two separate actual movie screens, um, but then they were going to have like an outdoor um, rooftop dining area kind of thing. So you could sit there, but. I mean, it's better than like when we have to charge dad's truck, we're sitting in a friggin' Panera or Buffalo Wild Wings and having us having lunch or breakfast while we're waiting for it to charge. And that gets really freaking annoying after a while. So. Well, I know that like Tesla's that you can download Netflix on the Tesla, like iPad thing in the center. So, oh, I feel like. Most people would just rather watch Netflix than whatever movie they're playing on the drive-in movie theater. But agreed, yeah. It, the drive-in movie theater aspect is just a different, like that's an experience, not just sitting in your car watching yeah. a movie, but an experience where you're going and. I mean, it's kind of cool. I don't know how realistic it is logistic-wise, but. You know, I mean, if you're going to be sitting there watching a movie, you might as well be charging your vehicle. And maybe the restaurant's going to be really good. I don't know. Speaking of which, I saw a video of, I think it was after a Sacramento Kings game, but there was like a line of people at one of those chargers. It was about the size of one that dad uses up in Mm -hmm. when he comes to visit me. And there was like, probably 25 cars sitting in a line waiting to charge. I believe it. It's annoying. That is my biggest complaint about EVs is the whole charging aspect. And I'm, I hate it. And there's been many times where I have, I have said, no, we're not taking the truck because I don't want to deal with charging it. The last trip we all went on was in my car because I didn't want to deal with the freaking chargers. So they suck. I get it. They're so bad. They do. They I'm do. surprised he so. hasn't gotten rid of it yet. I know. He's very anti anything that gets like I think he's just holding on to it because it's so fast and it has the features that he really likes, and he's ignoring all of the downside to it. And he's gonna listen to this episode and he's gonna laugh. I'm sure he's gonna laugh. And he's gonna be like, No, hey, it's great truck. <laughs> hey dad, if you want something faster than your truck, get a Shelby truck. They're way faster and they use gasoline. You don't have to charge it. <laughs> just my advice. There we go. There we go. You're gonna have to you have to put those little plugs in almost subliminally because if you outright tell him that on a like to his face, he'll ignore you. So maybe he'll get this subliminally when he's listening yeah. to the pod. I've already told him to buy a Shelby <laughs> truck and he just kinda laughs it off, but Right. 
They look cooler oh. than the lightning, and they're way faster. So, and you don't have to charge it. That's all I'm saying. I do hate the whole charging logistic thing. So, anyway, yeah, pretty dumb. All right, let's wrap this up. We'll stop complaining about. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right, but nice chatting with you. Love you too. Bye. Hey, friends. Thank you for supporting our podcast. Please share our show with your brutal and bizarre friends. Give us a boozy follow on your favorite podcast platform. If you're feeling extra generous, we'd appreciate a five-star rating or review as well. But maybe do that sober so all the letters are in the right place. You can find all our contact information in the show notes. We love hearing from you, and if you're interested in helping us stock the bar for our future boozy episodes, you can find our Patreon link in the show notes as well.